0: Hey, I wanted to let you know about an upcoming free masterclass to heal anxiety. Now this is especially for those of you who have tried many other programs or interventions and you feel like there's just something missing, like these treatments or therapies just keep missing the mark. Or for those of you who've been told that you just need to manage your anxiety and you know that this is utter BS because no one wants to just manage with disruptive anxiety forever. So this masterclass is sharing inside secrets of what it means to truly heal anxiety by understanding the three parts of anxiety and how these are causing problems. The link is in the show notes to register for free. See you there. Well, hello, and here we are at the very first episode of our Ease Anxiety podcast, and it is my honor to be here sharing this information with you. Now, I'm pretty sure you want to know who is it that is actually sharing information about anxiety, like what qualifies her, where does she come from, what is her story anyway? So in this episode, I'm going to share a little bit about where I've come from, what I've been through, how I've experienced anxiety, and also what really qualifies me and equips me to be sharing information about anxiety that potentially could change your life. It's really exciting to share this episode with you. Let's dive in. Ever wonder why anxiety just won't budge? What is it doing here anyway? Welcome to the Ease Anxiety Podcast. I'm Deanta Fuchs, psychologist turned international anxiety coach, and I'm on a mission to share a new perspective on anxiety that puts you firmly back in control so that anxiety no longer interrupts you. Grab your cuppa, get comfy, and listen in as we demystify, destigmatize, and deconstruct what you think you know about anxiety so that you can finally do what you have struggled with for so long, ease anxiety for good. Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of the Ease Anxiety Podcast. The very first thing that we're going to deal with is my name. Let's just bring that elephant straight into the room, right? When you see that spelled out, most people are like, well, how do you even pronounce that, and what on earth is that last name anyway? So here it is, my name is Deanta Fuchs. But most people just call me D. Let's face it, it's a whole lot easier to remember that and also to pronounce it. So feel free to refer to me as just D. Now that we have that out the way, let's dive into who I really am and why I'm here. Now I'm not sure how our paths have crossed originally. Maybe it was on TikTok or Instagram. And while I am a clinical psychologist, my views on anxiety and mental health don't really follow the traditional way. So I tend to get a lot of comments asking me, well, do you even experience anxiety? And how can you say that if you've never had it before? Well, truth is, I actually have had anxiety. Like many of you that are listening, I would have described myself as an outgoing child. I don't really think that I experienced a huge amount of anxiety growing up. And when I say haven't experienced anxiety, I really mean I haven't experienced anxiety that crippled me or got in the way I mean, everyone experiences anxiety, right? So growing up, I would have said I was an extroverted introvert. I really like to spend time alone and enjoy my own company, but I am also classed as extroverted and outgoing, and I guess I would have never thought that I would be brought to my knees by anxiety. But I guess nobody really thinks that of themselves, right? Anyways, fast forward, I finished school. I always knew I was going to be a psychologist, so I went and studied, and then I traveled, And then in my late 20s, I finally got round to starting my own private practice. So it must have been around 28, 29. And I was living in a small town, so I needed to set up my practice in two separate places. And that meant a bit of traveling. But really, setting up a practice is quite an endeavor. I must have been about half of the year into my first year of private practice when suddenly I started feeling really anxious about a whole lot of things that shouldn't really make somebody anxious, like just kind of waking up in the morning and having to go to work. Now, I couldn't really pinpoint what I was anxious about. It was just this pervasive feeling of anxiety, this kind of feeling in my tummy, consistently feeling pressured, this sort of tight chest that you'd experience. But mostly, I was afraid of having to deal with new people. Like anytime I had to have a new client start with me, I would feel really anxious. And then, of course, really relieved if they cancelled or didn't show up. Now, this does not bode well for somebody who is starting a private practice, right? You really want to be okay with meeting new people. I remember also at the time I was trying to buy a new car and I just could not get myself to make appointments and go and do the test driving. So I landed up doing all the research on new vehicles online, having this list of cars that I was interested in, contacting the dealers via email, never on phone, and then setting up test drives for my husband to go and do on my behalf because I was too anxious to do it alone. Being a psychologist, I knew a little bit about anxiety, and so I knew, naturally, I needed to go and get some help. So I signed up with a psychologist myself and landed up doing a bit of CBT work. It was naturally eye-opening, right? Like I uncovered a whole bunch of core beliefs that had been triggered by starting a new private practice. And a whole lot of self beliefs that were really getting in the way and making me feel like I was unsafe doing this new thing. The point is, though, my anxiety resolved within a few months and I went back to being the naturally outgoing extroverted introvert that I'd always been. And then we kind of fast forwarded, I had a child and my baby was about two when suddenly my husband landed up struggling with severe health anxiety. It didn't quite start with just knowing it was anxiety, right? He was running his own business and he had a run-in with somebody that he was doing work for and it had triggered a whole bunch of his own core beliefs, his own imposter syndrome, right? We can all commiserate with imposter syndrome, can't we? And so this is what happened for him. But at the moment of it all coming down, he landed up feeling this experience in his chest, this really tight feeling and struggling to breathe. He didn't look at that and go, oh, I'm anxious. He looked at that and went, there's something wrong with my chest. And from that moment forth, he became convinced that he had a really, really rare lung disease that was potentially fatal. Now, you can imagine if you believe that about yourself, that's going to generate a huge amount of anxiety. And if the thing that you're experiencing is actually anxiety symptoms, then more anxiety is only going to increase and worsen those symptoms which is exactly what landed up happening for him. And it was around two or three weeks after this run-in that he became really distressed and really afraid that this was going to cost him his life. And we had landed up taking him for tests, he was going to the doctors, he went for x-rays, and all the tests were coming back saying, there is nothing wrong with you, you are just anxious. The problem is, him and I became really anxious about him being anxious. I mean, his biggest fear was that he was going to lose his wife. His biggest fear was that he was going to lose everything, his business, his wife, his child, because of his anxiety. And so the more he started to fear that these things were going to happen, the more anxious he was getting, which was then just confirming the fear. I, on the other hand, was like, what on earth has happened to my husband? I can't say that in those days I was particularly empathic, and the poor guy really had to man up. I feel quite guilty about that, actually. But, you know, we all learn through our experiences. The big thing that was happening, though, was that I just wanted my husband back. And so I was desperate for him to be okay. As a psychologist, I thought, surely I must know what's happening with him. Surely I must have some strategies or some interventions that can help him to overcome this anxiety, to stop it, to get rid of it. And so I whipped out all of my old textbooks, went through all of what had helped me at the time, the CBT that I'd been through sent him to the same psychologist, then sent him to a different psychologist because he wasn't really connecting with the first, and we literally tried everything. Now, the one thing I must say about my husband is that he is really perseverant and very tenacious, and honestly, he will do anything for his own good will and well-being. And so he was on YouTube, trying every meditation, looking at every conceivable nutrition advice that he could receive trying on different types of exercises, breath work, you name it. But of course, the more that he was trying on and the more anxiety we were creating by trying to get rid of the anxiety, the more anxiety we were feeling. And I was like, are you better? How are you feeling? How anxious are you? And he was feeling that way too. And you can just imagine how much anxiety we were creating about the anxiety that he was experiencing. Now, at that time, I was also going through some training in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which I was going to use in my private practice with my own therapy clients. And I was sitting there in the seminar and I was listening to this woman talk about the need to kind of detach from our experiences. The fact that when we're attached to the outcome of something, we are creating an emotional response about that experience. And very often we can choose not to have that emotional response simply by not being so attached to it. I mean, this all comes down to Buddhist philosophy, right? But you can see how if you're experiencing something and then you feel something about that experience, you're going to deepen the experience and the emotional response that you have to it. And it suddenly dawned on me that this was exactly what we were doing with my husband. He was having anxiety and then him and I were feeling so desperate about that anxiety and so desperate to be rid of it, and so anxious about it, that we were holding onto it so tightly. There was no way that it was going to go anywhere, regardless of how much breathwork and meditation and interventions he was throwing at it. And so we began this journey of learning to accept and to be with the anxiety. Now, what has really stood out for me with these two experiences is how quickly I cycled through my anxiety versus his experience, and he was stuck for over 18 months. Now, for those of you who have been in your anxiety journey for a long time, you know how painful that is. A month is a long time, let alone 18 of them. So I wanted to know, and it was interesting to me, because I also was running a private practice, and I had many people come and see me for anxiety, but I would notice that I would give them homework, I would do CBT with them, And they would come back the following week and they would feel just as anxious as they did the week before. And yes, they were getting value from learning about their life experiences or shifting their thoughts and shifting their beliefs, but they were not being able to shift that anxiety. And of course, there were some clients that were, and they would cycle through their anxiety as quickly as I did, but I just didn't get what was the difference. What was I missing in understanding these different experiences as to why some people just cannot shift and others do. Look, I'll be honest and say that in the beginning of my private practice, I landed up referring clients who were struggling with anxiety to other psychologists and therapists because I just didn't feel like I had what it takes to understand anxiety. But after my husband's experience and starting to realize that there is actually this difference between people who get stuck and those who don't, I really started to fine-tune and experience I really started to fine-tune an understanding of that anxiety and welcoming people into my practice to start looking at what they were feeling slightly differently, knowing that, really, at the core of it, it is how we feel about the anxiety and the experience of it that then determines whether we become stuck or whether it cycles out. You see, the big thing for me when I was stuck with my anxiety was I wasn't really afraid of the anxiety. I was frustrated with it, And surely I was feeling insecure about myself and my ability to function while I was anxious. But there was nothing about the experience itself that had me feeling worried or scared or anxious about the experience of anxiety that I was having. Which made my experience of anxiety so different from my husband's, where he was really afraid of what he was experiencing. Now, understanding these two different experiences highlighted to me that there are actually two different types of anxiety. Ordinary anxiety and stuck anxiety. Now, ordinary anxiety is largely what I was experiencing. There were real things that were going on in my life that had triggered some core beliefs for me. Starting up a new private practice and having to do these things that only big adults do and psychologists that know things do, it was really triggering into my imposter syndrome. It was making me feel like I wasn't good enough. And of course, I have these big, high, unrelenting standards of myself. And there was the sense that I was not quite managing to be the professional, ethical psychologist that I saw everyone else being. At the core of it, I was afraid that I was just this incompetent, not knowing what I was doing, little person pretending to be a psychologist. And that's what my anxiety was asking me to pay attention to to the fact that I was doing stuff that felt scary and unsafe to me. So when I went for my CBT, I began to uncover all those core beliefs and all those unrelenting standards and all that imposter syndrome. And I was able to work with that in a way that shifted it. And then the anxiety could subside. The big thing is I was listening to what the anxiety was asking me to pay attention to and I was going directly to the source and the root cause of that anxiety. This is different to what my husband experienced, right? Because in his moment of the anxiety coming up, he didn't see it as anxiety. He immediately began to see it as a health condition. And so the anxiety was not acknowledged. It was not listened to, even though he also had those core beliefs being triggered and a whole lot of failure and imposter syndrome fears, but he was not paying attention to them. Instead, he was paying attention to what he thought was a health condition. And the more anxiety he experienced about that health condition, the more of the symptoms that he was creating with the anxiety. And so really, the definition of stuck anxiety is when we become anxious about being anxious. And that anxiety keeps going because the root cause of the anxiety, the original reason why anxiety was sparked off in the first place, is not being seen or heard, or listened to. And when we understand that anxiety is really there to get you to pay attention, and you're now paying attention to the wrong things, it's going to keep getting you to pay attention in whichever way it can. But of course, with stuck anxiety, we're just churning up more anxiety about the anxiety, and so the anxiety itself becomes the thing that we need to pay attention to. Why this is so eye-opening to me is that I began to realize that those people who were coming to see me for their anxiety and were not shifting, it was because we were not addressing the anxiety about anxiety first. They were remaining anxious about being anxious. So even though we were uncovering core beliefs and doing work with their lifestyle and the situations in their life that were not serving them, at the core of it, they were still afraid of being anxious. And until we can shift that, the anxiety doesn't resolve. And so once my husband was able to fully acknowledge that his anxiety was about being anxious and that we really needed to just let this go and let it be, we began to practice so much of what I teach my clients now, and he was able to finally let that go. So where are we now? We're like nine years, almost a decade on from that experience. And he no longer has health anxiety. It's just not a thing. I have never found myself getting stuck with anxiety that really interrupts my functioning in such a big way because both of us address our anxiety in an accepting, acknowledging, and validating way, knowing that any time that it comes up, there's a reason for it. And when you can acknowledge that root cause, then you keep your anxiety as an ordinary response. But it's when we don't acknowledge that root cause, for whatever reason, because sometimes, let's face it, it's just not easy to know why. And when we don't know why, then the anxiety feels scary. And then, when we begin to focus on the anxiety as being a threat, and the scary thing that we need to avoid, we now get ourselves stuck in stuck anxiety. So that's my story, and that's how I've come to where I am today. You see, now I advertise to work with people with anxiety because I understand this very core principle that actually it's not a mental illness. It's not a disorder. And these are the views that are not super popular on TikTok or Instagram amongst people who are feeling really stuck and somewhat offended by me removing that label for them. But the reality is, yes, I have experienced anxiety and I've witnessed so many others. And what I know is that it is just an emotional response. Most of the time it's ordinary and you don't pay much attention to it. But when it gets stuck on itself, it becomes really debilitating and really crippling. But it doesn't mean that you're damaged or that you have some lifelong condition that you have to deal with. My husband doesn't deal with lifelong anxiety. Yes, we have moments of anxiety. I have my anxiety come up as heart palpitations and occasionally even panic attacks. But they never get stuck. They never cripple me. In fact, I've been known to attend my coaching calls with my palpitations. I've made plenty TikTok videos while feeling super anxious. But anxiety doesn't interrupt me. It remains an ordinary response. And the same goes for my husband. In fact, just the other day, he woke up with that feeling in his throat and chest and he said, it's back. But you know what we did not do? We did not look at that and think, oh my gosh, you're stuck again. What are we going to do? This anxiety is coming back. You're relapsing. Gosh, I hate that word. What we did do is go, oh, that means you must be anxious. I wonder what you're anxious about. And we just accepted that that was the case, had a look at why the anxiety might be there, acknowledged and validated it, and it was able to move on. And so this is what this podcast is all about. It's about sharing this difference between ordinary anxiety and stuck anxiety and helping you to identify how anxiety has become stuck for you and what is necessary for you to begin shifting. One of the things that keeps people so firmly stuck is the belief that they are damaged or mentally ill or going crazy. Because when you believe that about your experience, you can only feel anxious about it, which is the very thing that causes more stuck anxiety. So I want to share with you stories of people that I have helped in my practice and of people who are out there in the world experiencing this very truth to show you what is possible, to show you that it is possible 100% to take very, very stuck anxiety and put it back as an ordinary response. I want you to understand your anxiety in a different way, to stop looking at it, as this big, scary, evil thing that has come to ruin your life, and rather to see it as an ally or a friend or a useful response that actually you can use for your personal growth and for your progress. We're going to go on this journey together in this podcast, and I hope that you stay with me. I'm going to be sharing so many different ways of looking at your anxiety and understanding it so that you too can stop feeling anxious about being anxious. And you can put your anxiety back where it belongs as an ordinary response that really doesn't interrupt you. That wraps up today's episode and I have a huge favor to ask. If you found any value in what you heard today, please be sure to leave a review. I assure you it is not just to stroke my ego, although it does help me to know that you love the show but it's really to help the algorithms get this episode into the hands of others who might need it. Make sure you follow the Ease Anxiety Podcast so that you never miss a future episode. And lastly, I love to connect. So please find me on TikTok or Instagram and be sure to say hi. All the links are in the show notes below. Thanks for tuning in.